Well, we're still here. Welcome to a very out-of-date but surprisingly relevant episode of Straight From The Hot Tap. After a long work-induced hiatus, we finally managed to put this dog's dinner together. What's not quite filet de boeuf, it's a good blend of the sublime and the ridiculous. We will start producing episodes again very soon, hopefully. I'd like to say this is due to popular demand, but we enjoy making them anyway. If you enjoyed this episode, then like, share, comment and generally give us some love. If you don't, well then why not piss off and stand for leader of the Tory party instead? I'm Matt. I'm Johnny. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this is Straight Straight from the Hot Setter. What memory is seen in your in your head from the nineties when you think back at that period? What's the one that's like burnt into your frontal cortex, whatever it's called? Is it when you were attacked by a branding iron? Matt, you sound really drunk. Mm. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is everything okay at home? Can Matt? we just finish this podcast before you black out? It's got to take some uppers. <laughs> what is a match on uppers? Yeah. Isn't it? No, housing estate. Take some fentanyl, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you think about how how rich the culture was when we grew up. I mean, when you think about memories that are burned into you, like a branding iron. I mean, just while we're at school, there's so many. I mean, I remember yeah. Tony Blair getting elected. Yeah, I know, and and it, I guess even then we hadn't had the full experience of the contrast had we because of the reaction of other people around around you and the population mainly because the reaction of people at school to, about how bad but, that was that minor detail but I, actually he turned out quite good i thought tony blair except for the whole iraq war thing that was bad and the chill inquiry <laughs> that wasn't good either but basically i think he turned out pretty well yeah one of my memories of the 90s is is sitting with my dad in the front room of our house what people forget sometimes is there was quite a nasty recession in the early 90s yeah. yeah, and you know, because obviously we were kids, and obviously my parents were both teachers. It didn't really affect us personally, but I remember sitting with my dad and watching the news and seeing, you know, with these big layoffs of people and these huge redundancy programs and in these huge companies. And you think that style of yeah. massive industrial company pretty much died in the nineties. It's never come back. You know, it was very much a, a child of the sort of sixties, seventies. Started to no. disappear a little bit in the eighties. In the nineties, that was very much the nail in the coffin for these huge great organizations, you know, and the big workforce in the UK. You know, that was cool. I remember at the time really being aware of that. Yeah. Fuck Enron, because it's fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> mm. One of the things that I remember really yeah. clearly, actually as well, was Margaret Thatcher stepping down. And that was right at the beginning of the 90s. And I remember watching it on TV and being like, oh my God, Margaret Thatcher's gone. What's going to happen? Yeah, the Gulf War definitely was um, something I remember, particularly like the, the Gulf Wars. But the first one, I remember coming into school on the day of the, of the Gulf War. And, and I guess not knowing so much about it, but I guess yeah. you know, it meant that the US forces had gone into Kuwait. And I mean, the chat was just like, oh my God. Are we going to get bombed? Are we going to get conscripted? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Josh, what's your memory? I, I, I mean, all the things you guys are saying as well, I feel like um, we spoke about films and, and music, but also t- TV. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, saying it now, but five, four, well, Channel 5 came out, right? So five channels instead of four. And then just, you know, that universal thing of like everybody had watched 
a bit of fry and laurie or something on you know and we used to go and talk about it or everyone had watched the day to day or whatever it was you know like we were just constantly doing impressions of things that we had seen on tv the night before and yeah, yeah everyone had yeah. seen it oh, yeah so everyone was on board and it was it was actually kind of super unifying because it was like a completely common topic of conversation whereas now like i mean the choice is just so mega but also i was thinking sort of I remember just at school, we also had a real taste for kind of music of years gone by. Like I used to love like 60s music and stuff. And and although, you know, we were in the 90s, we were listening to like 60s music and then 70s kind of Led Zeppelin type music and stuff. So I feel like despite being sort of engaged with that period, I think we also were pretty plugged into some of the stuff that even our parents were listening to and things like that. What I find funny about the comedy thing is how it was almost like well, tribal's probably a bit a bit strong, but it was almost like you know you picked your brand a little bit because I remember you guys, you know, Johnny and Josh, you guys loved Alan Partridge. I remember more than anything else, <laughs> you guys doing impressions of Alan Partridge, talking about Alan Partridge. Johnny was a huge fan as well. Johnny was like, a, I'd yeah. Say, yeah, Johnny was an accomplished fan of Alan. Partridge. A mega fan. I found a you were. I found a file in in my house the other day in a box where we movie house, and it was just, <laughs> I mean, it's proper stalker stuff, but it was just a load of newspaper cuttings of Steve Coogan and Alan Partridge. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, it's just really it's quite tragic stuff. I think it kind of brought it home that because there's no internet that well, if there was sort of like a, some sort of like gossip column in the sun or something because because we always had the sun and the star in the in the common room that it would be like oh wow that's what steve coogan looks like when he doesn't have a scraped over side parting like alan partridge yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but i remember like i neither neither watched it nor really got it at the time retrospectively having watched it more, quite more recently i get why it was funny and, it, and, and you know and whilst there are other things i probably find more amusing i can see why you guys loved it um, but at the so time, funny, like, yeah but at the time it was in our group of friends it was very much the far show you know but it, yeah we just used to watch it and talk about it and mimic it yeah. and take the expressions from it and so on you know and actually it's funny matt do you remember at school we were doing the elixir private eye having yeah do you remember yeah matt? this yeah. sort of little magazine we did at school <laughs> Reading through it recently, I've got a couple of copies recently, and our humour yeah. has very much been lifted from the fast show and, and things like that. Yeah, and probably hasn't changed in the intervening years. And Partridge, yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> no, no, exactly. The Ed Winchester column, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's really <laughs> funny, isn't it? Because of the lack of the internet, we basically all got our culture from the same streams. Five channels. And that's yeah, that's one of the big reasons why you know, everything became so diffuse in the early 2000s. And I think, and I, and I really think it's one of the reasons why now the 90s were so rich and what came after essentially weren't. Yeah, totally. You know? I mean, there are, many, there are many ways you can say that's not true because, for example, obviously there's been huge developments in music and television especially and everything, but we were getting our culture all from the same yeah. things. And, and I think one thing as well is, was I remember it was that things would be sort of launched in quite a singular way. You would hear like an, an album coming to the, to our price and there'd be like a full sort of window spread of it with all the posters and the CDs and, and records and well, maybe not CDs and all that. And the same, like on the radio, I remember I just have this memory of the song called the fly by U two. 
and had like an amazing guitar riff. Yeah. And I remember just like with on the radio listening one night on Sunday with a chart, hoping that it would be number one. Then I knew, then I'd know it was on so I could record it. And then it would be like, hey, I've got the I've got the song on a tape. Whereas as you said, Josh, like now everything's on demand. It doesn't matter. You can just there's literally no no waiting for it whatsoever. There's no sort of anticipation. No, no, totally. Yeah. It's really interesting. Before we ca- crack on with that, so there's a podcast I like called The Good, The Bad, and The Rugby. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, about and, rugby. Um, here's funnily enough. Yeah. And yeah, it's Josh's mate, Alex Payne. So they've got a section on it which is called The, the Domino's Doughballer of the Week. <laughs> right. And whilst they talk about this, they plug their sponsor, who is Domino's, unsurprisingly. And whilst they're plugging it, they are eating doughballs or pizza. And it's like, as an audio medium, listening to four guys or three guys chomping on a Domino's is not a pleasant experience, you know. Yeah. So maybe you can text Alex Payne, Josh. Yeah. But do it now, live on air, so we can get his reply whilst we're recording. What's, what's the question? You know, why do you eat Domino's live on air? It's the most disgusting thing. Okay, I'll pass on the feedback. You know, can't I just pass on the feedback, you know. Yeah. And also say, does he realise that, you know, he's up against me? in the National Sports Podcast Awards. Are you going to be at some event? Are you going to be... It's, it's online, so it's, it, annoyingly it's online because it's global. Oh, dude. Well, let, let us know how we can vote for you. Do you want right. to hear what's pissing me off today? Only yeah. after a jingle. I don't have it. I don't have it loaded up. What? I have to put it into right. post-production. Is... I'm using a different computer because I, I had to give my computer back with my old job. Oh, really? It's my today's the first day of my are new they job. Still, are they literally still <laughs> with the police as we speak, working through the hard drive? <laughs> yeah, the, deciding what the, to do. Uh, the Scotland Yard <laughs> Sex Crimes Unit is still downloading <laughs> the enormous amount of material <laughs> which detectives told the press was literally staggering. There's a year of pedo jokes yeah, and other exactly. content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's 10 years of service. Hard drives piled high, but no. Okay. So, no jingle, Matt. You'll have to imagine the jingle okay. and I'll put it in, in post-production. Right. Seeing as I knew that the theme of today's thing was going to be turning 40, I knew exactly what I had to do. All right. End of error. Yeah, go back in time and turn forty again. No, because my my actual fortieth was for lots of complex reasons. It was nice, but it wasn't that nice. Well, this is the time of the show we call Mansweats. What I knew that I had to do, because obviously turning 40 is like a, is a huge experience that we've all gone through. And what's really interesting about being 40 is I think that it's perceived in different ways by different people. And I feel like when we were younger, there was very much an established structure of what your life and physical appearance should look like at various ages. Whereas I feel now that doesn't exist at all. I knew the subject that I'd have to talk about because we've all experienced it is what's really pissing me off is people achieving shit. <laughs> right? I'm so, so tired of people achieving shit. Right? <laughs> and I'm going to call it shit because I'm trying to tell you how little I value it. I value the achievements of others as much as I value shit. 
because I am so, <laughs> so, so tired of hearing about other people's achievements, right? Because let me tell you something. The whispers that appear in your 20s to do with achievement get cranked up to the sound of, a, of an ear-blasting police siren by the time you reach 40 and cause you to experience <laughs> all kinds of medical conditions like anxiety, depression, feeling bad about yourself, moments in the afternoon where you stare into space and remember how your childhood was, <laughs> self-hating rants. Everything comes back to a single origin point, which is people achieving shit. And I am so tired of what I refer to as achievement bullying. And by the time you reach 40, the deafening screams of people telling you on a daily basis what they fucking achieved threatens to push you into insanity. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just don't care that you have fill in the blank and it's amazing, right? And I'm going to talk to you a few examples, right? But before you do, can I just ask you a simple question here, right? Do you think that this voice is now amplified because there are more people around you achieving shit or because your personal anxiety of having not achieved a great deal of shit means that you're constantly tuned in to the voices of other people who are achieving shit? Matt, I'll let you answer that question, okay? And I'll tell you, <laughs> you the listener, and I'll tell you a few things that piss me off that you've achieved. Okay, I don't give a shit that you've had a kid. Okay, I don't give a shit. Okay, the entire human race has managed to have a kid for billions of years. It's why there is a human race. Okay, so I don't care. Just fuck off. My advice, my advice to someone who's had a kid is, is to ask them. Have you ever tried writing a novel? Okay. <laughs> I don't give a shit, right? I don't give a shit that you have fill in the blank, achieved some fucking sporting thing. Nobody cares. Sports pointless anyway. It only exists <laughs> to help people feel Sports good. Sports podcast. Yeah. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't care that you have, and I'll take something from my own world, right? I don't care that you've sold a TV pilot. Good for you, but I don't care. Because the only reason you're telling me is because you feel so insecure about your own life. Because someone who had their shit together wouldn't have to boast about it. We've all talked in a previous podcast about humble bragging. And we've touched on how we have to like bury our achievements in these ridiculously obnoxious brags. Well, I'm sorry, I don't care if you've bought a house. I just <laughs> couldn't give a shit. Keep it to yourself. Don't make everyone else feel bad and telegraph your own fucking insecurity. I don't care. I don't care if you've run a marathon. We've already talked about that. Nobody cares about that, okay? <laughs> and I really, really don't care if you support the war against Russia in the Ukraine, okay? I just don't care. That's called virtue signaling. We've all done it, but I just don't care about it. The, the <laughs> noises of people in, in our lifetime have become amplified by our social media culture. And the deafening, nagging voice that causes you to have what used to be called a midlife crisis 
has risen to a crescendo and does by the time you hit 40 because your life appears to be governed by what you haven't achieved and why you feel bad about it. People should spend less time thinking about what they haven't achieved and more time enjoying what they do actually have and have actually achieved. And stop trying to boast about what you've done and make other people feel bad because frankly, it pisses me off. Stop telling me how generous. Do you, you think are. people do it to make other people feel bad, or do they do it because they think it's newsworthy and worth sharing? No, I think that they do it for two reasons, and it all comes down to social media culture. I think they do it unconsciously to make themselves feel good, and also unconsciously to make others feel bad, and they don't realise that they're doing that. I'm so tired of it. In your so dislike of achievement yeah do you just dis- differentiate between naturally god gifted achievement effortless just comes to you so naturally versus blood sweat and tears works really hard kind of achievement do you have any just throw particular- them all into the same basket because <laughs> let's think about it like i was gonna shit <laughs> the most important thing that anybody could have in this life is humility It is the most scarcest thing that exists in our culture because our culture is based on boasting. We would do well to have a little bit more humility, okay? General Montgomery wouldn't go on social media and boast about beating the Germans. He bloody would. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) Odysseus wouldn't spend the rest of his life boasting about how he got back to Ithaca and married Penelope or or whoever his wife was. You know what I mean? Let's just stop it. Have some humility. The basic lesson, the reason I want to talk about this is because have a book written about it, I though. feel like humility is one of those things that <laughs> we've Very learned from the 90s, you know? <laughs> Quite a long one, I believe. Mm. Yeah. He had a book written about it, though, Matt, didn't he? Odysseus. Yeah, but he dictated book. it to Homer or whatever. But I think that one of the things that, that I've really learned about being 40 is that it's a skill to stop worrying about what you have or haven't done in life and to start enjoying what you have actually done. And then to start, to start thinking in a more realistic way about working to achieve those things you haven't. And I don't know about yeah, where good. you guys yeah. live, pressure to achieve stuff is deafening where I do. And the pressure to be something that you're not and to you know, live your best life and all this stuff is just absolutely maddening to me. I can go on Twitter and see people boasting about what they've achieved at any time of day. And I'm tired of it. And it pisses me off. Have some humility. There you go. There's my rant. So, nice rant, Matt. So, talk about turning 40, right? First of all, two questions, right? Firstly, of all the birthdays and years ticking past that you've experienced, which has been the hardest emotionally? Because I personally found, like, 35 really difficult, but not so much 40. I found subsequent years from turning 40 worse than the actual birthday itself, if you like. But I found 35 really difficult for one simple reason in that I made the mistake of setting myself some fairly lofty objectives to do before I was 35. Largely, play rugby at a good level, do this, do that, climb a mountain, all the usual stuff. And all I managed to achieve was stay out of prison and keep my own teeth. So that was about the all I achieved. Whereas with 40, my sole goal really was just to survive, to get to that age without, you know, anything terribly bad happening. So when the, the clock finally ticked past 40, I didn't give it a moment's thought really. It's only really since then where I've basically started falling apart that 
I thought, actually, this, this sucks. But how have you guys experienced it? I think any multiple of 5 and 10 just artificially creates pressure. And so it doesn't really matter in absolute terms what stage of your life you're at. It just forces you to, to reflect on, on what you have and haven't achieved. I was trying to think of some other words, but no, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm 40. I found 40 quite, quite tough as well. And also because it's a, it's a big sort of talking point. So rather than hoping that it would just sort of like quietly sort of drift away and you're feeling quite anxious about it and just sort of, yeah, thinking, uh, you know, sort of, thinking a lot of, in a reflective way, everyone's coming up to you going, well, you know, aren't you going to just um, celebrate in some mad, mad, absolutely mad way? Like you're the life and soul and you're completely uh, rich and successful and actually maybe you're not in that place, either sort of figuratively or literally. Yeah, that, that's very true. You know, like some people really celebrate it. I've got friends who've done like a big party and stuff and I decided to celebrate by sticking my head in the sand and <laughs> not doing anything <laughs> at all. Um, but no, I feel, yeah, I mean, I do feel it was a bit of a milestone and you'll cause, it does cause you to reflect. And again, again, I think it's that, like you said earlier on, you kind of have these sort of societal milestones, you know, what it's so deeply ingrained, you know, what have you done by 30, 40? And I don't know. I, I, it was definitely a big introspection for me. Those kind of milestones, you know, some of them I, I definitely nowhere near hitting, you know. Or, it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago, and I feel like I've I, at that point, and it also depends what's happening, right? I mean, I, on my birthday a couple of weeks ago, I was prepping for this audition the next day, and I did not see a single human being the whole day. <laughs> but I did, I, but no human being that I actually knew. <laughs> like I went for a walk and it was quite a sort of, I mean, it was, it was self-imposed and it had to be that way because I had something that I had to focus on the next day. But because that... Were you carrying a sort of single balloon with you and were you wearing a badge saying, yeah. it's my birthday and the forlorn hope that somebody might, no, you know, say happy birthday and buy you a drink? I, I, not even, not even. But I think... Not even. I, I feel like that was a day when I did sort of reflect because I didn't, didn't have much else to do and I feel like maybe I should have organised something. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I actually found that my thirtieth birthday was was kind of a real wake up. I was in I was in Valparaiso, Chile. It was pouring with rain, and I was staying in a really nice hotel. It was it was great, but forty was really difficult. Like it actually stirred up way more emotions than I thought it would. And I think it was a reflection of where I was at in life at the time. There's a lot of super strange things going on. I remember, yeah, just feeling this real sense of disorientation and yeah like i just basically to go back to what i was just been talking about like i hadn't achieved enough and i was not living my life properly and it's sad though isn't it because I, I feel like those are the kind of these sort of ingrained things and obviously it's it's how you, how one thinks about themselves but objectively speaking you know you guys have all done a lot of stuff and achieved quote unquote achieved a lot of things and so i completely hear you because i i, I think i feel like the conversation with yourself is different and it's harder and it's, har it's harsher it no be. but i but i do think that and this, this is the good side of that is that it's the the inner need not to sit on your laurels and say i've done a bunch which actually makes you in particular just be a great artist or 
be a productive person, you know? And I remember like my 40th was slightly miserable, you know, even though I had a big party and everything, but largely because I feel like I wasn't doing those things in my life. I wasn't, I was in a bad rut, you know? During Matt's rants, you know, I think the social media thing plays into the um, the achievements rant section. I'm just going to lift one of the social media hashtags and just say yeah. YOLO. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Can I add one on there as well from my good friend Tony Horton? You guys probably both know him, particularly Matt G. He was the founder of P90X. So he's like a fitness guru and he lives in he lives in Long Island and he says aging is for people that do not know better. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, don't think about it too hard. Just don't think about it at all. Exactly. You know. <laughs> guys, it's yeah. just a number. You know, <laughs> but it is psychological, though, isn't it? Yeah. There's definitely a kind cool. of strange moment of deep introspection that happens around this age, just biologically. When I was incredibly depressed a couple of years ago, I read this horrifying newspaper article in the Times, but it said that the nadir of men's health emotionally was at age 56, because it said that that's the age when men think they can't do anything new and are resigned to whatever's happened in their life and are basically without any more hope. Hope ends. Yeah. And I really, really think that one of the things that <sighs> has kind of got me through a lot is knowing, I have this, this quotation by Joe Strummer, one of my favorite singers, and he says, the future's unwritten. And that, to me, just says everything. Whenever I get really down, I just think the future's unwritten. You can turn things around. You can do whatever you want. It's not written. I really suffered at 40 thinking like, basically, I have one of those my life's over moments. And it's really interesting because Matt actually sent me a few months ago, he sent me the TV Go Home book that we all used to love at, uh, around that time. And it's really interesting because there's an interview with Charlie Brooker in it, starts his, his, his memoir about TV Go Home by saying, at age 28, I was certain that my life was over. I was a total failure. I thought I'd never do anything, and I just thought I was the biggest loser ever. So 40 was fine. But yeah, 40 yeah. was really difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think largely because I never thought I'd be 40. I just thought I'd be young forever, and I'm yeah. sure that everyone says that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess I kind of got to that point in life where I wasn't setting and chasing goals. I was reasonably happy and content with where I was at. You know, I've got a great family, decent job, quite happy with my social life and where I live and all the rest of it. I wasn't really feeling like I had this deep rooted sense of anxiety or worry or frustration at not having achieved wanted to achieve. You didn't have the kind of burning malaise that I have that lives in my soul and that constantly. Yeah, right. A, li a little bit, I suppose there's a little bit of an unscratched itch for a few things that I haven't maybe done, but what really I found difficult was the gradual turning into my dad thing. It really caught me How by surprise. The one day, I, I always thought of myself as being a little bit subversive, a little bit, you know, my own person, very much running in a different direction to the the direction that my dad has taken, I guess, from the point of view that he's always sort of been very dutiful and always followed a particular linear path through life. And not that I've in, in any way, you know, look at him and the way he's lived his life and thought that was bad in any way, quite the opposite. He's done, you know, well and had a, in a happy life. But there's certain things that I've always really wanted not to do, uh, not to be conventional, not to think too much about duty and obligation. And it suddenly struck me a year or two ago, 
that I bought a flat cap voluntarily without it being some kind of joke or some kind of part of a costume. I bought it. They're just so warm, man. They're just so well insulated. Because I yeah, thought it looked it's good. It's functional. You know, it's a functional head. It's functional yeah. headwear. I find myself occasionally, you know, browsing a clothes shop, for example, and wondering whether certain things are fully waterproof or the manufacturer is just saying it's waterproof. Did you? These are, which way round do you wear the flat cap? Well, sadly, the conventional way. Because if I do it the other way, then I look like somebody that's trying to think, trying to pretend they're not wearing a flat cap which is even worse in some respects. Can I just jump in and say there is actually a test that you can do if you own a flat cap to see if you either are turning into your dad or you just bought a flat cap. Yeah, right? go on. You ready? Did you buy the flat cap because you like Peaky Blinders? No. Then you're turning into your dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, there's been a couple of other incidents as well. So, like, I very nearly bought a very sensible car recently. I found myself looking at Volvos and thinking about boot space. And I even thought about going outside to measure my golf clubs to see whether they would fit horizontally in the back of said Volvo. In the end, I didn't buy it. I went for something slightly bit slightly cooler. But I had that thought process. The other day I was thinking, could I build like a garden shed that I could also work from wow. in, inside my garden shed? This is the thought processes I've started to have. On top of that, Matt, if you ever want to like give us a call when you're th- when you're thinking these thoughts, you know we can talk you out, talk you, you down from there. You can talk us out of it. You ever, <laughs> exactly. Just call. Doesn't matter what time of day or night it is. Just call. I know. Like I was trying to help my daughter earlier. She managed to, to lose one of the keys off her keyboard of her laptop. I thought, right, you know, I can help her fix it. And I don't know if you remember this, Josh, but. When I was on safari in South Africa quite a few years ago, I remember the people around around me being like staggered by how good my eyesight was. I was always the one to like spot the bison in the bush at yeah, 150 we meters. Yeah, you know, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, eagle eye. I always had really good eyesight. Yeah. And, and there I was trying to put this key back on my daughter's laptop, and I could barely even see the fucking key, let alone where to put it. Like my eyesight is just taking a dive over the last couple of years. It's like. Fucking hell, getting old sucks. Do you know what I mean? Every now and again in my job, I interview these sort of boring, jowly... Yeah, it's not the age, man. <laughs> yeah, it's the kids on the Exactly. Yeah. It's a forensic self-abuse. You're still able to find your socks, years, though, aren't you? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's oh, the thing God. I've really hated, is that feeling of, like, just not being as young anymore do you know what I mean I don't know my bits of me hurt like getting out of bed in the morning I, f- I find myself sort of clutching my back that's not cool guys come on now come on now I'm just going to interject this by saying look we've got we're, this we're, we're 40 <laughs> not bloody 70 come on there's a lot you know. <laughs> it's strange because I haven't actually had that experience at all I mean I know we have quite a different life now, but, but I've had other things that, that I feel like are equivalent bad. Like, I mean, like I told you, like I just, one of the reasons I realized I didn't like coming back to the UK is because I started looking at what people my age had there and I started going, fuck, I don't have any of that. COVID. You know, I, what have I got? And I was, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm like, I'm like staying in people's apartments in London or whatever with some bags. That's my life in those bags. I'm in their apartment you know yeah and and that's really 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 yeah, unhealthy yeah, yeah. yeah but you have a home because i know that they, i know that they have very very you know in their inner lives 
they're probably often thinking, oh, you know, Matt has a more free life than I do, or I'm just projecting onto them. Yeah. You know, but things can just make you feel bad when you don't feel like you're achieving those waypoints, yeah. you know? And I feel like what you were just saying is, is actually really interesting. Do, do you know the last thing I do before I go to bed every night is? Oh, no. I go in the kitchen. <laughs> I go in the kitchen. I put water in my kettle and I set it so that I can boil the kettle via Alexa. Oh, my God. From my bed first thing in the morning. That's what I do. That's my routine. I didn't even know you could do that. With I want kettle. to have a nice cup of tea. Josh, what do you do last thing at night? <laughs> I normally just pay the hooker and kick her out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Snort a line off the other hooker's buttocks. <laughs> I mean, that's just the weekend nights. But the weekday nights, I, uh, you know, I, I read a book <laughs> or I. Uh... What's the very last action? It depends what's on. If I've got if I've got an audition the next day, I normally go to bed with my with my script. If I don't, then I might read a bit. I might be looking at Instagram. I mean, I, it varies, Matt. What can I say? It varies. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, no, no, I'm just interested because, like, for example, I have a very, very set routine in life. So, like, one of the things I often do before I go to bed is I smoke but a this cigar. is your new thing, isn't it? You're now... And, and it, it really... Yeah, I gave up cigarettes. Hooray. <laughs> you know, a big yeah. achievement took there. It, something that takes five times longer to smoke. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, I gave up cigarettes. You, you, you used to go to bed at eleven thirty. Now you go to bed at two a.m. just because you've got to finish that cigar. <laughs> I stare at the what I can only describe as the seventh circle of hell that is the right aid parking lot in front of my house, where anything can happen, and I do mean anything can happen. I have seen it all, and I smoke a cigar. Yeah, and it's and it, but it's a nice yeah, moment nice. of reflection, you know. Um, How about you, Johnny? What have you, what have you experienced as the as the clocks ticked into the into your fortieth year and beyond? I sort of struggled on the actual fortieth, but then since then, I feel completely. Um, I just put it all behind me, like, and and now I just feel like it's eight years till it happens again when I'm fifty. And in the meantime, nothing nothing matters. I'm I'm young again. I've got the, 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 the timer has been reset. So from an age point of view, it doesn't it doesn't matter what like 42, 41, 44, None of it matters anymore. It's just like I'm just a middle aged man. Although I did get ID'd the other day uh, in the supermarket. Yes. Even though I stand, it was ridic- it was so ridiculous. I was there with I was I was like a baseball cap and it was COVID time, so I had my mask on. But I also had my two kids with me, and, <laughs> and we. And we were, and we weren't even buying alcoholic beer. We bought some non-alcoholic beer, and I got ID'd, which was both sort of tragic, but also like a massive highlight Elite. of my day. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's like Mate, great. You really think, you, yeah, yeah. You should be IDing my daughter, who's sort of closer to seventeen than I am. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I kind of agreeing with everything everything you guys are saying, but equally, it's just like you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to um, not think about the numbers too much. The thing I found I got hung up on when turning 40 was I got, I got quite preoccupied by what fraction of my life I had lived. Which is yeah, quite morbid. It's just like, shit, you know, if I live my dad's life, then I'm 80% through my life now. But if I live, you know, my, well, then I was thinking about other relatives, or if I become a centurion, then it's only 40%, then it's just like 40%, no problem. Easy. Problem is, is that the fraction of your life that you've lived is the fraction when you're young and healthy 
and in good spirits. And the only thing you got left is like, <laughs> oh guys, 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 on that note, actually, on that note, can I, I know this is not a sports podcast, but I think this is a timely moment to put a, a shout out and pay a micro tribute to the great Shane Warne. Oh, oh yeah. what a legend. Who? Don't say who, Matt. Can you just say, Matt Graham, just, just say who, Matt. Cut him off. Right. Is this some rugby player again? Yeah. Exactly. Rugby is a peripheral international sport. He, okay? the- I can't be expected to know loads about it. <laughs> okay? So Shane Warne is to cricket what Tarantino is to cinema. That is okay. a good way He's of an artist. Artist. A good way putting it. I just want to share an anecdote of watching Shane Warne, which was actually, Johnny, you may well have been there. Yeah. Actually, do you remember when we went to Old Trafford? To yeah, watch, yeah. Yeah. To watch England, Australia. Yeah. There were two incidents, one of which was comical. Yeah. Um, where, do you remember the time where the guy tried to do, there was quite a few streakers, wasn't there? It was yeah. quite a dull afternoon, like do you remember? Seven or eight streakers, I think. There was quite a lot of streakers, yeah. and they were sort of running on the, on the pitch all over the ground. And there was a guy, must have been sort of 10 rows back from us decided to get all his kit off and uh, try and leap in one in one motion the hoardings on the uh, on, around the pitch yep. and he didn't quite time his, his jump right did he and yeah. in, in remember, his jump yeah. he managed to crack his shins on the top of the advertising hoarding and just face plant it straight into the turf and by, by this stage of the afternoon the bouncers were that pissed off his streakers and all I can remember was seeing this naked butt sticking up above the advertising hoarding so this guy they clearly just dislocated both of his knees yeah. and then broken up just shattered his jaw in the process of hitting the turf. <laughs> he just got the shit kicked out yeah. of him by these bounces. I just remember this wobbling buttocks <laughs> as, he was, as he was pounded into the grass and then dragged <laughs> off <laughs> with two broken legs to be uh, to be imprisoned for the afternoon. He could have consoled so, himself anyway. by the fact that that would still have been shown on BBC TV. They wouldn't yeah, have cut yeah. away. They'd have yeah, like, just, just sort of zoomed in on it. Yeah, one of the commentators, <laughs> I don't know, like David Gower or someone would have been commenting on his his bat lift as he was being beaten to a pulp on the on the side of the pitch. But no, I remember watching Shane Warne and I just remember this palpable sense of tension when he came on to bowl. Yeah. One of those afternoons where not a lot was happening, it was England batting out for a for a draw, trying to save the test. Yeah. There wasn't much in the wicket and then Warney came on and then everyone just shut the fuck up yeah. and just watched him bowl. It was, uh, yeah, a real moment. He really was the best, wasn't he? And like, he, when we went to Australia, to Lizzie and I, and we, and Lizzie sort of had a peripheral understanding of cricket. She didn't know much about, you know, players, individual players. And then going to Australia where like the cricketers are kind of like, Shane Warne would be like, like David Beckham is to football in the UK. He was like an absolute national hero. and Just, just with about... A hundred times more charisma. Exactly. Well, exactly. <laughs> he's so, but the, he's so charismatic. And yeah, yeah we are. Sorry, Dave. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like well, when it was announced that he died the other day, like Lizzie was absolutely gutted because she never actually watched Shane bowl anything or like saw his googly or his slider or the other one or the flipper or whatever. But she just loved him because he was like this absolute true epitome of an Aussie bloke, like yeah. a real larrikin, like beer drinking, bleach blonde, like zinc covered face, and just spoke spoke whatever he he thought, and yeah. you know, you know, he represented more than cricket. I think the key is, you know. He really did live his life, and it was obviously cut short way too early. But in terms of talk about a bloke who knew how to live his life, he, he had a sort of lust for life, and I think that's the that that's something you could all yeah. emulate. I'd love to have had a beer with him one day. What a legend! 
But that means we're all failures because none of us have shagged this early yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he has died, Matt, sadly, all of a sudden, but it was uh, bad times in the cricket-following world. Yeah. You guys remember what you thought about being 40 when we were all at school together? Did you ever give it any thought? Or did you think about so distant. what you might have in your life? Yeah. Yeah. It seemed so impossibly far in the future. And people who were 40 seemed ridiculously old. <laughs> it's so, so true. Oh it's true, right? So I remember, yeah. my da- I remember my dad's 40th. And I remember oh, my mum bought my dad a walking stick for his 40th That's to take a piss about how old That's he was. Funny. Yeah, as a joke. <laughs> and here I am at 40, and I still forget to tie my shoes on either house sometimes. Do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> I wonder how I've even got to adulthood, let alone 40. But do you feel old, Matt? Here's the thing. Yeah. Do you feel old? Increasingly. But I don't feel mentally old. I still feel like I'm 14. You know, I still laugh at fart jokes, for Christ's sake. But, like, physically, I occasionally feel pretty old. Here's another question, is do you consciously do anything? Because 40 is traditionally, like, the, the moment when men in particular go, I'm getting old, right? Do you physically do stuff to stop the effects of aging or do you consider that wildly outlandish behavior yeah i mean i suppose recently i started to take you know the adverts about hair replacement shampoos a bit more serious than i previously had i'm currently on a ridiculous diet that involves drinking milkshakes which i particularly hate but you know yeah it's a short answer (laughs) do you guys sorry about i forgot what your question was (laughs) Do you, do you ever feel like you like start losing your memory when you get old? <laughs> short term memory, short to shit. Do you, do you try to consciously offset the effects of aging? Yes, in as much as just can't weather things as well. Like for example, hangovers or oh, or or just getting injured or yeah, just that just that sort of feeling of just stiffness in the morning. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> or lack thereof, <laughs> and. Um, but <laughs> question for you guys, though, I'm going to make an abrupt subject change here. This is just a general getting older thing. But do you think differently about how, for example, your parents, but sort of all adults when we were young, how they behaved now that we are that age? Do you sort of like understand why they did things? Oh, 100%. Or didn't do things? Or you're angry at them for not doing certain things? I mean, my parents are going to listen to this, so I'm definitely angry that they didn't sell their house about four years later than they did from a financial perspective. I think that the times that we're living in are actually very different to the times when our parents were our age, honestly. And I think that this is one of the things that our journey has encompassed is the fact that life today is very different to life in the 80s, 90s, you know, I just really think the world has changed a lot. And I think that mainly that's an economic thing. I think that society is completely different economically than it was in their day. So I think that their actions are difficult to understand by looking at our actions today because our parents lived in probably the greatest moment of economic prosperity in all of human history. And that moment has firmly ended. No, I totally agree. I remember my dad once absolutely losing his shit, like eyes popping out of his head, head swiveling rage 
because I hadn't taken my clothes upstairs that had been left on the on the staircase for me to take up after they'd been washed and ironed. I'd like left them there for a few hours. And I literally heard myself having the same rage attack with my own kids <laughs> like a couple of weeks back. I was just like, she just blew my lid. Yeah. And you're like, I, what inner demons yeah. are you channeling? I almost said the words, you treat this house like a hotel. <laughs> 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 Luckily, I, I didn't quite get there. You but only thought I it. could definitely feel it bubbling. You're lucky that you didn't add the sentence, do you know how lucky you are? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you're lucky that you didn't add another sentence, I did all of this for your benefit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a toughie, that one. Yeah, awesome. Straight out of the mean streets of SW8, Superman's best friend, Dan Carter's life coach, and the man they call the face of Specsavers. The wire-avoiding international man of mystery, Josh. This is Taunton Matters. We've got a few here. This guy is ever-present on Taunton Matters. He's called Phil Hill. <laughs> and he's normally talking about roadworks, roads, anything roads, pavements, anything <laughs> pavement or road related. Um, but in this in this particular post, he's talking about the, the bridge over the River Tone, right by what was Della's. It's um, it's going to get a makeover. It's official. There's a picture here of it. I mean, it's looking in a sorry state. I've got to say, you know, we can expect some work on that soon. So I think that's a good news story. What are they going for? Sort of like a Norman Foster timber frame articulated uh, rotating modern I, piece? I think or? they're going to just reconstruct it out of all the shopping trolleys that they fished out of the river. Yes. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that'd, be quite a cool, that'd be quite a cool little installation, wouldn't it? To make some kind of installation out of all the shopping trolleys and sort of galvanised steel. Exactly. A bit like the Angel of the North. It's Taunton's own River Kwai. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. This one's quite important. If anyone was worried about it, from Alex Cridland, found in capital letters, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, white female ferret found in Bishop's Lydiard area. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at the Priory Close Vet. So you can pick it up there. That is a lovely country story. There's a, there's a guy here called Harry Knight who's taken a picture of this BMW and said, I don't know whose car this is, but it better be off my drive by the time I leave work. I'll set my ferret on you. Or I'll fucking abduct you, tie you down. You know what's going to happen with that ferret, don't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. This is one just from today. Jigsaws wanted, 500 piece only, willing to pay. It's niche. <laughs> um, it's niche. What happens if you had a 600 piece jigsaw? Is that just too, uh, yeah, bridge too Judith far? Judith Honeyman doesn't want it. That's what happens if you get a 600 she piece. Want no, it. she wants 500 piece only, Matt. It's clear in the in her post. Why particularly 500 pieces? What's You'll wrong have to with ask Judith. Words? I don't know. 499. <sighs> well. Does it matter the size of the pieces? What if they were as a five hundred piece jigsaw, but each piece was the size of a dinner plate? You're going to have That'd to be contact. You're going to have to contact Judith about that. There's a big story hitting Taunton today, though, and it's Phil Hill once again who's put it up. So he's he's moved away from <laughs> pavements and roads and bridges onto the super drug in Taunton, and he has posted super drug has been closed since this morning due to a shutter malfunction. So. <laughs> if you were desperate for the morning oh, after pill or something, it was too late. <laughs> it's a 
Do. I hope you got to boot. Do you reckon the shutters malfunctioned with the staff still inside? Do you reckon they've been there for God, that the is that would be hours, an interesting development. Having to feast on Echo Falls wine well, well, and it's, no, it's super protein it's super bars. drug. They'd have to be feasting on like ibuprofen and shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is from a couple of days ago. David Goddard. His post reads, I quote, Hi, can anyone recommend a plasterer that covers Bishop's Lydiard, please? Thanks. <laughs> and and toby walkin has replied that's a big bit of plastering (laughs) 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 and lastly do you remember the church st mary magdalene church where we always used to do our kind of bigger church services at school when we we, we used to go yeah like easter and christmas and stuff well as of yesterday it has become taunton minster I mean, I don't know what that really means. Yeah, wow. that's, obviously, it's been upgraded. What does that mean? Does that mean I they've like, promoted the uh, bishop to a canon or something? Yeah, well, Bishop Ruth, the Bishop of Taunton. So maybe she's, it's because it's the, I don't know, maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. But, but Ruth is the Bishop of Taunton, but she's still a bishop, it mm. would seem. Anyway, it's now a minster. And that's oh, it, guys. That's enough. <laughs> bashing the bishop. There'll be a cathedral next. <laughs> It will be will be the city of Taunton. Now that you are 40, what do you think your one piece of advice is that you've learned in that long journey since the 90s at Taunton School? Never eat yellow snow. <laughs> um, I would say... What's the first thing that comes into your mind? It sounds a bit philosophical, but... Everything's a circle. Things are never as bad as you think or ever as good as you think. Can you yeah. have a horizontal circle? I do definitely. <laughs> it's more a wheel then. Maybe it's a wheel. Maybe wheel's a better can analogy. You, can you have Everything's a horizontal a wheel. circle? Is that what goes around comes around? Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying pretty much so you know, when you're up, you're probably gonna come down again. And when you're down, <laughs> you're also gonna go up what again. What if you're halfway up? Do you know what I mean? Are you either halfway up or down? Matt, does this mean <laughs> does this mean you're familiar with the fifth uh, century Italian f- philosopher Boethius, who coined the term the Wheel of Fortune? Exactly, and I may well have picked that up from your from my recent article. The other day. Yeah. I did, yeah, but I think that's probably. I thought that was Nicholas yeah, Campbell. I think the times of my life that I've been at my lowest been temporary, but equally the times have been you know my life where I felt like everything's amazing. I've also ended. So I think that's an important lesson, really, that this too shall you know, pass. nothing's ever as bad as you think it is. Indeed. Yeah. How about you guys? Just got to enjoy your life, I think. Just enjoy your life. Copy that deal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, this can't go wrong with that. I think that's it. You've got to live life, like, you know, with the spirit of Shane Warne, if you can. You've got to I think one of the important bits of pitch advice in the rough is, and turn it square. Yeah, that's exactly what you've got to do. I think... You've also got to, uh, you know, take care of yourself in terms of physically as well, but but psychologically, I think you've got to. It's, I think look after yourself, you know, and um, be good to yourself, and then I think other things will follow. You know what I mean? Just to feed off what I was yelling about earlier on, I, <laughs> I actually think that it was kind of a joke because I actually Are you about feel to like tell us something you've achieved, Matt. Yeah, I'm about to humble brag about something incredible that I've achieved, and I'm going to downplay it to make me seem really humble, but actually I'm going to go, 
<laughs> no, I just was. I just wanted to say that I think that learning to appreciate what you have actually done and how how rich your life is is really the secret. And not and and to stop torturing yourself by what you haven't done. You know, you know. I was joking earlier. I think that it's very very important to also appreciate the achievements of people that you know. You know, and and your family and what they've done because life's very very hard. When things happen that are good and when they succeed, it's worth enjoying it. Like for example. For me, it was a big moment when I when my sister had a child and I became an uncle. For me, it was also a big moment when my brother did his second series for Netflix. I mean, that's two series for Netflix in four years. I mean, that's extraordinary, you know, and I, I can guarantee you he's not enjoying it as much as he should have done, you know. Uh, hi, Patrick, if you're listening. What I was talking about earlier was this endless chimer of people boasting, which I just can't stand. Yeah, yeah. That's a different can't thing, isn't it? Yeah, encouraging yeah, just and, and, and yeah. celebrating the success of your friends and everything is, is different from... Is the most important know, thing in the world because also because it's, it's your success. Your yeah, vegan taking, lunch. taking a picture, like from my world, taking a, lunch. Yeah, taking a picture of the fucking front page of your script and telling everyone that you've had a meeting at some network. And I find that stuff absolutely maddening and just exhausting. And I just live in this super competitive culture where everyone's boasting to each other all the time. And it, that stuff really gets heightened when you reach 40 because you start to think I might not have enough time left, you know? And so totally. I'm just tired of it. Do you think what's worse as well, just to sort of bookend, is the cryptic humble brag? I think that's even more infuriating. And so give us an example. Put a picture of this. So, you know, going back to your analogy, they put a picture of their script yeah. that's shot with a particular filter, a little, maybe a little espresso cup and, uh, in the corner and maybe a pen look, you know, looking kind of creatively diagonally across, across the script. And then the, the caption would say something like, exciting times ahead. Yeah, the, you, that kind of thing. Hashtag, Are you looking at my Instagram, Matt? Hashtag yeah. interesting <laughs> meeting. Hashtag yeah. excited. Do you know what I mean? And then it fishes everybody in to go, wow, what's happened? Yeah, Tell totally. me about it. I'm just going to pull up my Twitter feed at the moment. And the kind of things people will tweet about, everything from, from me is from the writing community, right? So people will tweet about, say, I've just had an exciting meeting about my new TV project. And I just feel like saying, what do you want? A medal? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. You know what I mean? And it's so unhealthy yeah. because they put that out into the universe and all these exactly. poor people who are struggling so hard to just get one meeting feel like shit. And what you don't realize is that that person isn't doing so good either. Do you know what I mean? And so I just, for example, I know this person who, I'm not going to name any names, who's the showrunner of a big series, right? That's very well known internationally. And yet they are absolutely crippled by unhappiness because they can't find someone who gets them who they can have a relationship with so they compensate for it by just fucking just dumping all of this bragging on the internet matt just one thing i saw today funny enough who that came up randomly i don't know why these random things happen it came up on my instagram but it was like this thing was like give two people a thousand dollars and then the first person invests the thousand dollars and you know just quietly invests it and, and, and then it's worth like $1,300. The other person spends $700 of it on a flashy holiday and takes loads of photos and, and she puts it on Instagram. So 
the image is that the first person no one knows anything about could be a loser. The second person looks like a winner, but in fact, they're worse off. You know, they're, they're the ones who are actually losing. It's a great big illusion, isn't it? We've said before in the podcast about what you see on these things. I've been watching all of these shows about basically can't, you know, everyone saw this show, The Tinder Swindler, and everything is based on people projecting success and covering the fact that they don't have any. I think there's always been the case, hasn't it, though? I think that that's just like society thing. It's just, I think maybe it's just more kind of in your face now that we've got stuff like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hear you. I know. Awesome. Matt, anyway. I know you've got to go because your home routine is like we'll uh, that you know, Stalag 9 prison. We have different lives, obviously. So, but listen, this has been an interesting moment to, to relive my 40th. <laughs> it has. Like the endless amount anyway. of insecurity that I deal with on a daily basis. I, I now my... have insecurity that I only have a kettle. I feel like a failure because I have a kettle that you actually have to press a button on to make it work. But I failed. I only have a kettle that you have to put water in and actually light the burners underneath it. And that's because I'm hashtag living the bohemian life hashtag yolo hashtag success amnesia yeah hashtag <laughs> 40 hashtag insecurity hashtag, <laughs> hashtag why haven't i achieved more <laughs> hashtag, hashtag buy my script hashtag buy my script hashtag no i actually haven't written a script in the last three years because my writer's block is so crippling hashtag <laughs> i'm getting older i'm wondering if i can still write Hashtag, maybe I can't. <laughs> Hashtag, it's all pointless. Hashtag, wasted my life. <laughs> Hashtag, why didn't I stay in England, get a sensible job, salary, and marry someone? Hashtag ambition. <laughs> Hash- that, Hashtag, it's a curse. <laughs> Hashtag can't enjoy anything. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this out-of-date dust-gathering recording. We hope you enjoyed it. Watch this space for more episodes in the next couple of months. We're going to try and get some more content to you very soon. This was straight from the hot tower.